All right, good morning. Good morning. All right. Um, for those of you who may not know me, I'm Nate Green. I'm standing in for Pastor Mike as he's um, taking some well-earned rest. So um, why don't we open our class in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come together and to look at your word and to um, sharpen one another as we discuss and see how we can how your spirit can apply your word to our lives. We ask that you'd be with us, that um, that you would guide us, that you would open our hearts to hear what you would have to say to us, um, and that this would be uh, a time where we can build one another up in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I thought we might start this morning by dissecting a motivational quote. So I'm going to read you this motivational quote, because who doesn't like to be motivated? So um, I did kind of go down a rabbit trail looking up motivational quotes when I was looking for this, and there's some fun ones. I could have printed out a poster with some nice background with a mountain and a big word, but I didn't. So here's the quote. Um, You can be whoever you want to be, you just have to want it bad enough. Anybody know who made that quote, first of all? This is your baseball question. from Sparky Anderson. Anyone know who Sparky Anderson is? Who who is Sparky Anderson? He was the manager for the Red Reds, right? Yep. Okay. What do we think about that quote? I'll read it again. You can be whoever you want to be, you just have to want it bad enough. Sounds very American. Yeah, it sounds like our culture. It is very... There are many people that agree with it. So, what about from a biblical perspective or from a Christian perspective? I, I, I would seek to try to find parts of that that I could agree with. Okay. But, you know, I think that it, it, it's really what you mean by it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I think in terms of our, you know, there are certain fundamental things given about who we are that uh, we bring with us that we sort of inherit mm-hmm. from Adam or from our parents. All right. Uh, or maybe we pick up from our siblings. But, but I do think, you know, because we are responsible creatures too, mm-hmm. um, that there's to some degree which, you know, we, we can make changes and mm-hmm. do things that make it you know, change to some degree who we are, how we function, how we think. All right. Okay. All right. Good morning. Well, let's, uh, let's see what the scripture has to say about it. Um, it, it is interesting. Now there is some... The, there was a lot of kind of support for this type of thing like 10 years ago, but recently there's been some backlash. So when I Googled you, who you can be, who you want to be, there's a lot of like, that's actually not the case. You know, that people think that there's pre-existing things that uh, make it a little more difficult to get this done. Uh, but let's, uh, let's see what the scripture has to say about it. Um, let's take a look at... <coughs> I think the scripture tells us that there are two different types of identities that you can have. And let's look at the first one. And uh, can someone read this kind of a long passage, uh, Romans 5, 12 through 19 for us? I will. Thank you. Romans 5, 12 Moses, even over those whose 
sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if, if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Okay, thank you. Um, one phrase to highlight in there is, one trespass led to condemnation for all men. So, like, like Marty was saying, um, I'm proposing that our uh, well, Mike reaches the top of this board, but <laughs> that our, our first identity is we are in Adam. Are we able to put that identity off and not be that person by ourselves? We're not. Okay. Um, so what did what what I'd like to do is just list here some of the um, characteristics of what it means to be in Adam. So what does this passage tell us? What, 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 is, what does it mean to be in Adam? Sin. Sorry? Sin. Okay, so let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it this way. We are guilty So in this passage, it says, "It says, um, let's see. By one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So there's <coughs> communication of that to us. Um, let, let's read the next, the next verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. Can I get a volunteer? For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Okay, all right. Um, is this ta- is this in Adam all die? Is this talking about everybody's going to die? Talking. What, what what does this really mean? Death is coming for us all. Spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Also, death is also coming physically, but. <laughs> Um, somebody want to read? I'm going to read the question. Why don't we all read the answer together of the Westminster? We're going to probably be doing that in the service, but it doesn't mean we can't do it now. Did all mankind fall in Adam's first transgression? The covenant being made with Adam, not only for himself, but for his posterity, all mankind, descending from him by ordinary generation, sinned in him and fell with him. Thank you. So are you telling me that 
I sinned because somebody else who lived like way before me sinned? Yes? His death, his sin is imputed to you. I, mean, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, I, I, I also might have done something on my own. Okay, so uh, Scripture presents both our identity, which in this, in this, when we're talking about in Adam, it's talking about the fact that we are guilty in Adam, that we are dead in sin in Adam. Plus, it also presents the actions for which we are personally responsible. So uh, we all commit specific sins. Um, there's plenty of passages that talk about the sins that are committed and their consequences. So there's kind of this. Um, tension of both something that is in you and who you are and what you do. So uh, anyone can think of a verse that has to do with the sins that we commit and their consequences? Maybe Romans 3.23? Maybe Romans 3.23. <laughs> what does that say? For all the sin and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, so this is highlighting the fact that there's also things that we do. So there is a reality that we are in Adam, but there's also a reality that we do things that that are also sinful. So it, it paints a picture of um, both sides here. So, yes? Yeah, so, you know, the first is because we are in Adam, we do sin and we see that played out. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we can't not, not sin and eventually we do. Okay, all right. Um, do people like hearing that? Not particularly. Um, so, what, what, is, what does Satan want people, both in the church and unbelievers, to think when it comes to their identity? What, what are the things where there are misconceptions uh, about our identity? Well, one of them is what we talked about in our quote, that you can just decide who you want to be. I think scripture tells us that that's not the case, that this has been predetermined for us. But what, what are other things that... Um, misconceptions or lies that Satan wants us people to believe? I think it depends if they're a Christian or not mm-hmm. a Christian. I okay. think if, you're, if you're not a Christian, Satan wants you to believe you're just fine. I'm fine. I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Christian, I think Satan wants you to be burdened down as your sin. Okay. And identify yourself as a sinner. Oh, okay. Excellent. So we, we will get to that. You think he can get his notes? Okay. um, Satan wants us to think that we're guilty before God because of our individual sins. It's not that we have a certain identity, but you know, we've we've done some things wrong. But maybe we can make up for those in a different way. So, um, and there's a guy specifically that I'm talking to at work, and he believes that he's done good things. Why would God be unhappy. He's, you know, sure he's done some bad things, but he's certainly done more good things. Let me point to the good things that I've done. Um, so uh, he believes what Satan wants him to believe, which is that we kind of start at neutral and then we can go up or we can go down. But at the end of the day, you want to be generally more up. Um, and so what that's doing is that is taking advantage of another misconception, which is that we're able to do works that God considers good outside of Christ, which. Um, is not the case. Uh, why don't we take a look at the next two verses that'll help us out with that. Can someone read Hebrews 11.6? Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
So what, is, what, is that, what does that tell us? And let's translate that into how we might have a discussion with someone. We, we could read that, but if someone was interested in talking about what it means to be, when we're thinking about presenting ourselves to God, how, how would we use this, the content of this verse to speak to them? Just going to throw it right out there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So whatever you think is good, it's not. I think this is a hard part of the discussion to have. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, this presupposes that the person you're speaking with believes that there is a God mm-hmm. and that there's only one God mm-hmm. and that that God has an interest in humans. Mm-hmm. And that there's going to be a time where he's going to be interested in looking at what we've done. Sure, I understood. But if we do get to that point where we are talking to them about it, then... Um, because I think that Satan has fooled a lot of people, and they do think that they're they're good. How would we work? I mean, is this is is it worth going here? Is this an important point to make to them? I think if you are, you know, espousing Christianity, it is because I think many of the other religions of the world, like Islam, is sort of like the scales, like your friend. You just want the scales to tip in favor of your good deeds versus your bad deeds. Let's take a look at the next verse. It'll shed a little extra light. Uh, Romans 14.23. Somebody want to read that? For whatever does not proceed from faith is faith. Yeah, it's very black and white. So, um, I would describe faith here as <coughs> works that are done in faith, which is believing that you are as a servant of Jesus Christ, that you, not that you're doing these on your own, but um, you're doing this uh, out of a heart that wants to serve God. You believe that he's there, you believe that Jesus is God's son, and you are not trying to earn your salvation, but you're trying to serve him as a servant, not earning your salvation. So, if you're not doing things from with, with your heart in that space, or and with your mind particularly not thinking that it's yourself, doing it out of your own, um, out of your own merit. Romans says it's what? Whatever doesn't proceed from faith? Not only is it not just like not good, but it's what? Sin. That, that, uh, that also doesn't go over well. Um, okay. Um, a few other things that I wanted to point out about the state of being an Adam. So we're guilty of a sin. We're spiritually <coughs> dead. We are sinners. Uh, what's our? How do we feel about God? What does the scripture say about what our heart feels towards God? Hey. Uh, we were born in sin, hating God, hating one another. We're just not... We, we don't have a neutral relationship with God. So if there are people that are still in Adam, if we talk about what God's requirements are for us... We don't usually get a neutral reaction. Well, that's nice for you. It's usually, ah, what do you mean I have to, all of my good works really don't count as anything. If you're engaging in a discussion, it really comes out quickly that they are not neutral to the things that we have to say about God. They really, 
down in their heart. They want to be God and to say that they have to kneel to someone else. They really don't like that. Um, scripture calls that hating God. Okay. Um, we live here in this world. Uh, who's the ruler of this world right now? What does God say about, what does the scripture say is Lord of this world? Okay, and when we live in a we live in a state of sin, is that a happy place to be? What, what's a word that we that is there? Used? Is <laughs> there is the seedfulness of sin. They do. Um, I'm thinking of a specific Westminster question that says living in a state of sin and misery. This does not mean that people are always unhappy all the time, but it does mean that. They are, there's a degree to which they are unsatisfied. And a lot of times people are miserable because sin has consequences. And those consequences are not good. And so deep down there is some part of unbelievers that are in Adam that are um, they're just miserable. So um, they certainly feel unfulfilled. Okay, so in my three columns up here we have number one, we're in Adam. Number two, spoiler alert, in Christ. But then something happens here in order to get from here to here. So we're going to talk about what happens. How do we get to being from Adam to being in Christ? Um, somebody want to read Titus 3, 4 through 7? Well, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit who poured out on us richly Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by His grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, thank you. There's a key word in there. Anybody want to pick it up? It describes the process of what happens to us. Starts with an R and ends in E-generation. He did save us. Um, we have been regenerated. We're gonna, as, as we get into who we are over here, we're going to see some additional words that are going to communicate to us that it's not a little change. We're not talking about tweaks here. We're talking about something that's much bigger. Um, uh, Ezekiel gives us a, another way to look at it. Um, somebody want to read Ezekiel 36, 25 and 26? Thank you. What's, what's the image that's going on there? Heart transplant? Heart transplant. So something is being taken away. What's being taken away? Okay. And what's being put in there? So there's a replacement that's going on. Something has gone away. Something new has been replaced. 
Um, another place that we're going to read talks about a new creation. We are recreated. And another way to say that is that we are born again. So we were, uh, we were, we came into the world one time. We were born, and then it talks about being born again. Let's see what First uh, Peter one three has to say about that. So we want to read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a new and living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you. Again. We were created first, we are born again into something else. And Calvin says this, he says um, in his Institutes, Therefore, as we have said that salvation is perfected in the person of Christ, so in order to make us partakers of it, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, enlightening us into the way of faith of his gospel, and so regenerating us to be new creatures. Thus cleansed from all pollution, he dedicates us as holy temples to the Lord. So, again, very, this is not... We got a little little wash. We're um, painted over some of the bad things. We're really talking about um, being something new. So we're a new creation. Let's talk about what it means to be a new creation uh, and what our new identity is in Christ. Somebody want to read 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Thank you. So this shows another way that um, we can contrast the old with, with the new. So we hate God, but our, we are not reconciled to God in, in, a, in, a, in, Adam's, in Adam's state. So we could say not reconciled. And then, when we're in Christ, we are reconciled. Um, also, in this 2 Corinthians passage, it really uh, nails home what the difference is. So it says, what's happened to the old? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a complete transformation that takes place. Um, this isn't just, you know, again, a little tweak, but we have uh, a big, uh, a huge change as we are recreated. Um, it's also interesting um, in this passage, it, it tells us what our transformation should drive us to do. Um, it talks about how um, Christ has come, he, he's reconciled himself, and he's also given us a ministry of reconciliation, and it, it gives us kind of a new job title. What's the new job title that it mentions here in 2 Corinthians 5? Ambassadors. What does that mean? What do we got to do as ambassadors? What do ambassadors do? Represent. They represent. Do they speak for somebody else? Yes. They do. Um, do they have a job to do? Yeah. Do we have a job to do? What's that job? Represent. <laughs> <laughs> Is this something that we regularly think about? Do we have business cards that say that our job is to be an ambassador? I don't have a business card, but it may be helpful. To, sometimes we forget that our job is really to pass it on. Some, you know, we, we've been reconciled. We, we've been taken... 
out of our identity of being an Adam, and we are now in Christ. And the goal of that is not for us to sit there and say, great, this is nice for me. It's to pass along this ministry of reconciliation to other people and to see as we go out of our house that we are representing someone else. And when we're talking to people, we are representing someone else. We're not representing ourselves. So again, people don't want to be guilty of Adam's sin. Sometimes, as Christians, we don't want to be God's ambassador sometimes. Maybe we just want to kind of go do our own thing and not have to worry about representing him. Maybe, I mean, maybe everyone is always eager and ready to go. Um, but, you know, sometimes we just want to do our own thing. But this is, uh, we are ambassadors for Christ. We have a job to do. We've been, we have a commission. And uh, hopefully we would want to see um, other people be reconciled to God as well. Okay, uh, so just like with who you were when it comes to, um, when it's talking about uh, being in Adam, Scripture presents both your identity, your new identity, which is in Christ, uh, plus your actions for which you are responsible. So it says you are holy, but also you need to be holy and act a certain way. Um, so let's look at uh, Romans 12, too, and see how that kind of sheds a little light on this. You want to read it? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thank you. Okay. So, how is it that we're a new creation, but we also have to be transformed? How does that work? Is there like an extra step that we need to get to? It's not quite fully done. How do we reconcile these two things? Or do we not need to? It's an ongoing process. It is. That our minds are changed. It is. Do you have any responsibility in that in this changing and transforming? Yes. Mm-hmm. We're to have the mind of Christ. Okay. All right. And how do we do that? Speaking our minds with God's word. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. You're going to. Yeah, uh, put off the old, put on the new action mm-hmm. regarding our own self. Yep. <clears throat> yep. All right. Um, and let's, uh, let's read 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we'll take a look at another way of looking at this process as it comes along. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, again, there's a transformation that's taking place. Um, put this on our list of okay um, so there, there is both a already and not yet aspect of who we're becoming there is a um, there's a there's a real way in which in a way we are guilty of Adam's first sin uh, guilty of Adam's sin what, what, what is What's the parallel here for our new identity when we're in Christ? Guilty of Jesus' righteousness. Okay, all right. What's the word that we use to talk about how Jesus' righteousness comes to us? Justification. Justification. Imputation. So we're going to say Jesus' righteousness is imputed to us. 
So if you want to argue that you're not guilty of Adam's sin, I didn't do anything for that. You didn't do anything for your righteousness that you have either. But I don't hear anybody complaining about that part. Um, imputation of Christ's righteousness. It's not something that we deserved. It's not something that we earned. It's something that Jesus um, earned for us. Okay. Um, over here, we're spiritually dead. Are we still spiritually dead? We are what? Alive in Christ. That's the, that's the key there. We are alive in Christ. Apart from Christ, we can do what? Nothing. That's right. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, um, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is not kind of a one-time thing where uh, we are made alive and then kind of pushed out to do on our own. Everything that we need to be doing as we uh, live through our lives is something that is done in Christ. Uh, okay, over here we are sinners. <coughs> we still sinners over here? Thank you! Excellent. I did not put him up to that, but that's absolutely correct. Okay, we are saints who sin. Now, I think it, this word in our English language is used in different ways, and I think it's helpful to clarify um, what, it, what it means when we're talking about sinners. Uh, has anyone here ever coveted something? That means they've looked at something that wasn't theirs, and they said, I really wish I had that. I'm going to call for a show of hands on that one. All right. Now, a personification of that would be a coveter. So is anyone comfortable if someone said, called them a coveter? It's a little different than having done that one time. Um, so I, I, the personification of a sin is when um, you're, you do it and it's a characteristic of your life. And so you could say, well, I have done this, but then I've repented of it. That's not, saying, that's not the same thing as whatever that thing is, um, being your identity. And so before, when we're in Adam, our identity is a sinner because, again, everything that we do is not pleasing to God. Now, in Christ, we are holy in Christ. So that is something where um, we... How do I want to say this? Um, Sometimes we sin, but we're not identified by whatever those sins are. So I think it's helpful to think of ourselves as saints, and sometimes we'll be talking about um, you know, communion or something, and we'll say, this is a table for who? Sinners? It's not really. It's really a table for saints who sin. And so we are no longer people who are identified by the fact that we continue to live in sin. What we are, we are people who live in holiness and so I think we should think of ourselves as saints. Sometimes I want to put a sign on the back of the Bible that's right in front of Mike so we see saints, because we talk about saints all the time. Um, and we're going to look in a minute um, at some scriptures that talk about that. Why don't we do that now? Um, and I'm going to say this. Our identity as saints, our holy ones, always comes before the call to action. Like Paul is going to give us um, in his letters, are, are those churches perfect? They're not. They are filled with saints, but those saints still have some things that they need to, to work on. But in all these cases, Paul starts with who they are, and then he gets to the things that he needs to do. So basically he's going to say, 
you are holy in Christ, now you need to act like it. Um, so let's, really quickly, we got, um, I put the start to five books in the New Testament here, and we're just going to look and see what, um, how Paul addresses these guys and see what we can pick out of it. So somebody want to read the beginning of Romans, Romans 1.7? To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. All right, thank you. First Corinthians. To the church of God and his mind, to those sanctified Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place called upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their life and God. Thank you. Uh, Ephesians. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. And are faithful in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Philippians? Paul Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, to the overseers and demons. And lastly, Colossians. To the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Thank you. What's the common theme that we have in all those? Saints. Saints. Alright, and what, what technically is a saint. What's the like literal meaning of the word? Sanctified. It means holy one. So the word uh, the word for saint is really the personification of the word holy. So it's really the ones that are holy. So the scripture talks about the word holy spirit. The holy in there is the same word that is used for saints. So that's really something that uh, elevates us. It's really something which should really. Um, if we know this is who we are, it's going to encourage us to act like it. And that's how Paul, and that's how Paul deals with it um, in all those books. You are holy. Here are some ways in which you're not acting holy. I mean, especially in 1 Corinthians and some other books, they're really doing some things that are very bad. But instead of saying, you are sinners, you need to pull yourself up and, you know, it says you're up here, you need to act like this. Um, so we see our identity, it always comes first, and then there's a call to action about that. Um, so that's the way that we should interact with one another. We should remind one another that we are holy in Christ. And if there's someone, if we see something in one another's lives that needs work, we should remind them that that's who we are and that's what we should act like. Okay. Um, let's see what else we have. So we have sinners and saints. Uh, in Adam, we were hating God. What do we do now? Why? Because he first loved us. That's right. He's done this for us, you know? Um, right? Okay, so we are citizens of this world under Satan's rule in Adam. What about now? Citizens of heaven. Citizens of heaven. Let's read uh, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we would await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to be subject to subject all things to himself. Thank you. We are here, but this is not this is not our home. There's another verse I didn't put in here that talks about um, heaven as our home, and we're just kind of visiting here. Um, it goes along with the idea of ambassadors. Normally an ambassador is from a country, and then they go somewhere else, and they got to do some work to represent that country. The same is true with us. We, uh, we live in the kingdom of God, but we are here on earth. We want to work with those that are here, uh, but at the same time, this is not, this is not, we don't identify as citizens of this world. We identify as citizens of the kingdom. Um, 
on a practical level, how can, how can we make this real to us on a day-by-day basis? I don't often, I don't think about this every day. Yes? Maybe in contrast to, I think Mike has said, when you wake up, think, think that you're the worst sinner, in contrast to like your spouse, you're the worst sinner that you can be. And live in life that, um, in terms of being humble with your, with your brother or your sister, mm-hmm. but maybe we should think of ourselves as, um, I'm a holy saint, saved by God, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that would motivate me more to, to live less burdened by my sin and more as um, an overcomer of, of what's ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts on what it means to be citizens of heaven, not living in heaven? <clears throat> yes? I think just thinking more in like the light of eternity, more mm-hmm. daily, um, mm-hmm. that that would make some of the problems that we have just grow dimmer. Yeah. You know, um, when we focus more on just like, you know, where we should live along. Sure, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think participating in all the means of grace that God's made available in some <coughs> individuals, Bible reading, mm-hmm. prayer, mm-hmm. contemplating these things, meditating on God's word. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that Jesus talked about is he talked about this in terms of building up treasure. So there's a lot of um, ways where we can earn, we don't talk about it as treasure, but there's earthly things that we can work towards. And we get them, and at the end of the day, Jesus is telling us that's not really worth anything. What is worth is building up treasures in heaven, which is ways to encourage one another, ways that we act as ambassadors. Um, Things that matter spiritually to the kingdom as we work as citizens of heaven. Um, okay, so we live, those in Adam live in a state of misery. What, what do we live in now? Anticipation. Anticipation, okay. Are we, sometimes we can anticipate something and not be happy about it? Are we, Boy. sorry? State of glory. Yes. Okay. Uh, in First Thessalonians, it says, "Be joyful when." Always. Always. That didn't sound very joyful. <laughs> Joy. This doesn't mean that everything is always happy. Doesn't mean that everything. There's no time for sorrow. But at the same time, what do we know is coming? We look and we see the big picture, which is Christ is going to return. Um, all of the, all of that. This is all going to be temporary. This is all going to be going away. Um, for this, this is permanent. We are citizens of heaven. We're going to be able to go home. I mean, if you've been on a... I don't know if you're like us, but I love going on a trip, but I also love coming home. You get home, and it's you're comfortable, and that's you know you are where you're supposed to be. And right now, we are not where we're supposed to be. I mean, we, we, we are in the, in the fact that um, we are where God has put us, but at the same time, we have a place where we're going, where the um, sin, living with people to hate God, the fights that we have, they're going to be over, and we'll be in a place... Where, um, where we're able to be joyful. Okay, um, what misconceptions, we talked about misconceptions about our state in Adam. What misconceptions do we have? What does Satan want both believers and unbelievers to think 
about the state of being in Christ? What are some things that are out there that sometimes we can hear that are... That you still have to somehow earn it. Like, yes, Christ has done it, but you still have to somehow still do your part. Right. So at the end of the day, this imputation of Christ's righteousness is nice, but I kind of got to get mine, too. Okay? What else? Now, something that I've heard, I can hear in some circles is, our heart of stone has been removed, but we still have a heart problem. And so there's a, there's a communication that the new creation is not complete somehow. Now, we can be tempted, and there's a temptation, temptations come all the time, but that's different than saying, you have a heart problem. And I think that um, recently we actually said in one of our confessions that we have crooked hearts. That's not really consistent with the, um, the fact that we are new creations and made new. Again, we are bombarded with temptations. It happens all the time. Some of them come from inside us. But that's different than having a heart that is an atom. We now have a heart that is in Christ, and it's very different. Um, okay, we talked here about how it is impossible to do anything that pleases God. Um, sometimes a misconception that comes out is that, well, whenever you're presented with a temptation, you're going to sin. Is that true? If, someone, if there's something that is presented to us, do we have the ability to say, I'm not going to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes. We do. So, let's encourage one another when temptation is presented to us. Don't do that. Pray about that. Be in the Spirit. But you do have the ability when presented with something not to do it. Um, uh, another word that comes up a lot is broken. We sometimes we say, well, you know, this is, uh, we live in brokenness. Well, if you're a new creation, God did not make broken new creations. There certainly are times where we have sin that we need to repent of, but that's very different than living in a state of saying, I am, the transformational work that has been done in my life is somehow incomplete, or, um, you know, we still need to do more to earn it, like you were saying earlier. Okay, um, we're almost done here. Any last thoughts about the... Yes, Could you reflect a little bit on, I mean, in terms of our sort of existential experience of this, <clears throat> because, you know, we... Um, you know, in theory, mm-hmm. right, we, right. Can, we can embrace this idea that in Christ we're new, so we think all things are made new. Mm-hmm. But our experience really is that we struggle... Mm-hmm. Our, our failure in the face of temptation mm-hmm. sort of confronts us daily, hourly. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, mean, I, I agree. We, we don't want to sort of revert to this idea, you know, this is the way I have to be mm-hmm. this time. But there's, you know, to me, there, you know, this awaiting the restoration and awaiting you know, the full manifestation of Christ and all things being made new at that point, sort of finally, permanently, sort of leaves me with a sense that, you know, there's brokenness mm-hmm. in me, around me, mm-hmm. in this world. And so how, how do we sort of, I mean, is that... I, I makes sense. So I, I would say this. We're surrounded by sin all the time. And the way the Bible presents it uh, is that we're in a war. And so if you're in a war and you're fighting all the time, you're going to get tired. And that's a hard thing. I would just say we don't want to be 
we don't want to be Eeyore. And so there's a lot of cases where sometimes Christians can really be like down in the mouth about how things are and, you know, it's, I'm terrible all the time and I think we need to, it, and it's a hard thing because we are fighting all the time and we are, there's, we don't get a break from temptations. We don't get a break from Satan coming in and, you know, thinking thoughts that we shouldn't and um, fighting all the time. So it's tiring, but I think that's why it's so important to have these reminders of here's who you are, here's what God has done in you, because Satan's in your ear saying something different all the time. And so to me that's why it's so important to look at how he starts his letters, which is, hey, here's who you are, here's what Christ has done for you. He talks all the time about you've been called, God is doing this work in you, because on our own we're going to forget that. We're going to be more focused on the stuff that's in our face all the time. And even sitting by ourselves, the thoughts that we have, the way that um, uh, we still have flesh, we still have the world all around us. Um, but, but I think having a rock-solid foundation in who Christ is, what he's done for you, and the fact that you have been transformed into something new as opposed to something old, to, to me that's a real encouragement. And I think that we can forget that. Um, if we're not putting it in front of us. Like the transformation that we're supposed to be doing with our minds, this is something we have to intentionally do. We need to intentionally be reminding ourselves and reminding one another. That's why we're here in community, we're here in church. We should be seeing how other people are doing. We can recognize when other people are discouraged. And what do we want to let remind them? You are in Christ. Here's what Christ has done for you. Um, here's how we can build each other up. Oh, by the way, you should also, if you're not acting the way that you are, let's, let's encourage one another to act that way. The same way that... Um, Paul does in his letters. Not neglecting so. the meeting of the saints. Yep. It's supposed to meet together. Well, there, there's any number of ways where we can um, fall away from this way of thinking. Um, but to me, even doing the study for this, it was so encouraging to be reminded of, oh yeah, look at all of these things that are different about the way that we are, thanks to Christ, than the way that we were before. Some way it's almost you know like you said you used the word in theory right but in the gospels it never says in theory you're this but that right and it's almost as if Satan kind of wants you to have the head knowledge and then come back at you and say but look at how you're acting and this is the you know it's kind of like to get the focus off of that onto the struggles that you're having uh, or we're having. Uh, thank you. Yes? Um, yeah, like Paul constantly like, talks about like, who you used to be. Uh -huh. He doesn't forget mm -hmm. He looks at like, how God has brought him. And we really see that he understands clearly the concept of redemption. Yep. And I think that like, um, Satan doesn't want to spend time like that. We, we are redeemed. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, we have to constantly work to remember yep. that. Yep. And I think that's only when we remember that that we are able to operate in the ways that we're supposed to operate as saints. Yep. And I think that's harder for some of us that don't know of a time where we didn't believe a lot of this stuff. So for Paul, it's easy for him to say, you know, before I was a persecutor, now I'm this. I think that's uh, that can be harder for us sometimes if we don't have that. But um, that that still doesn't mean that we can't be aware of all these things, and you know that there are. Uh, Times in Paul's letters where he says, just like you were saying, you know, before you were haters of one another, you're here for things that you did, we don't do those anymore, uh, now we do these things. And why? It's not because we're earning our salvation, but it's because 
Um, we are acting like the way that we've been called to be. We are, again, sanctification is something where we are holy, but at the same time, through our whole life, we are growing in holiness, and we are getting to be more like Christ. He's making us more like himself, which is, which is a glorious thing. Um, so thank the Lord for his Holy Spirit, who does all these things um, in us. So um, I think we're a little over time, so I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word that reminds us of who we were, that outside of you we can do nothing that pleases you, that uh, we, well, everyone who was born is guilty of um, Adam's sin. But we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who came and uh, became sin for us, is what the scripture told us, um, in order to that we might be righteous, not by any deserving of our own, but uh, because of your love for us. So, Lord, we would ask that you would help us to remember that we are indeed holy, holy in you, because um, your righteousness is imputed to us. And we ask that you would be with us and help us as we seek to be your ambassadors every day. There are those around us who don't know you and are, remain in Adam, but uh, help us to um, be bold, to share what you've done for us, and that we would um, be your ambassadors out there in the world. We ask that you go with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.